Hey Ben, I didn't feel like taking notes for this one, so I figured I would just record my live reaction until I gave up completely on the shadows out of time. <clears throat> By Hits Ponies Lovecraft. After 22 years of nightmare and terror, Saved only by a desperate conviction of the mythical source of certain impressions, I am unwilling to vouch for the truth of that which I think I found in Western Australia on the night of July 17th to 18th, 1935. So he he picked a good continent. Australia has some pretty objectively horrifying things, especially for a man who has never left New England. There is reason to hope that my experience was wholly or partly... An hallucination. That's not the right... It's a hallucination. Whatever. For which, indeed, abundant causes exist. By the way, you can just delete all this, or... If there's anything you actually like, you can throw them at the end of, of the final episode. I don't give a fuck. I'm bored and I'm unemployed, Ben. Much like Lovecraft. If the thing did happen, then man must be prepared to accept the notions of the cosmos and his own place in the seething vortex of time whose merest mention is paralyzing. He must too be placed on guard against a specific lurking peril which, though it will never engulf the whole race, eh, it might go after some of them. Some of the more venturous members. Uh-huh. Oh, and now he's urging them to abandon all attempts at unearthing those fragments of unknown primordial masonry, which my expedition set out to investigate. So he's combined his love of abandoning things with his love of architecture. And that's the conflict, it seems like. Uh, does he love architecture so much he would never abandon it, or is his fear going to overpower him? Uh, let's see. He had an object that he lost. Uh-huh. So he's, he, it looks like he's writing a report again. He's, this is just like his other ones, Ben. This, this is, I can see why he thought this wouldn't hold my attention. Mm -hmm. All right, so he's going to give, he's going to give, okay, first of all, he has a son, which is impossible for me to imagine. And his son is a professor at Miskatonic University. This tiny university in the middle of New England. Is it tiny, though? With how often it's mentioned, it feels like it's a big deal, like Harvard or something. He's Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's still talking about... Oh, his name is Nathaniel. Okay. He gets points, Ben. My name is Nathaniel Wingate Peasley. And those who recall the newspaper tales of a generation back... Uh-oh. Ooh, I don't like where this is going. Or the letters and articles in psychological journals six or seven years ago. Don't pretend like you know psychology. We'll know who and what I am. And what I'm about. press was filled with details of my strain and amnesia. In 1908 to 1913. And much was made of the traditions of horror, madness, and witchcraft, of like, blah, blah, blah. Yet I would have it known that there is nothing whatever of the matter, sinister in my heredity and early life. Uh-huh. A, sha 
a highly important fact in view of the shadow which fell so suddenly upon me from outside sources. He italicized that, so that's important, Ben. Maybe centuries of dark brooding have given a crumbling, whisper-haunted Arkham stop a peculiar vulnerability as regards such shadows. Maybe we should, maybe the problem's New England. Like, all this horrible shit seems to happen to people from New England. Maybe we should just get rid of New England. Maybe that's the problem, Ben. Though even this seems doubtful in light of those other cases which I later came to study. But the chief point is that my own ancestry and background are altogether normal. You just said that. That's one, okay? That's repeat, okay? Three strikes and you're the fuck out of here. What came from somewhere else? Okay, you just... Or even now hesitate to a certain point words. I am the son of Jonathan and Hannah Wingate Peasley. Both of wholesome old Haverhill stock. Oh, God. Can you stop talking about your genetics, Lovecraft? I know you've literally got nothing else going on. And also, if I look at you, your genetics are kind of not great. Because I'm convinced your father is a penguin. Alright. The old homestead and boy. I, I was... Born and raised, born and reared in Haverhill at the old homestead in Boardman Street near Golden Hill, and did not go to Arkham till I entered Miskatonic University. That was in 1889. After my graduation, I started economics at Harvard, a much better university than that shitty Miskatonic. But then he came back to it to teach political economy, dude. Lovecraft. Okay, I guess it's okay as long as he doesn't start talking about political economy. Okay, he's talking about how his life is happy, he got married, which is believable, and then had children, which is completely unbelievable. I became associate professor, then full professor, and he didn't have any interest in occultism or abnormal psychology, which sounds like a stupid thing to bring up, but I guess it's going to make a lot of sense soon, Ben. When the shadow comes from outside. Alright. It was on Thursday, May 14th, 1908, that the queer amnesia came. The thing was quite sudden, though later I realized that certain brief, glimmering visions of several hours previous chaotic visions which disturbed me greatly because they were so unprecedented must have formed premonitory symptoms. Premonitory. God, I'm dumb. It's the voice. I'm making weird fucking... Uh. Okay. Alright. It's answering a text. Alright, my head was aching and has a singular feeling of the new me that someone else is trying to get possession of my thought. Okay. Collapse occurred around 10.20am while I was conducting a class in Political Economy 6. Political Economy 6. Now, this might be a bad faith criticism. I have never had a course that went beyond three or possibly four. After four, they called it something else, or it was like an independent study. But that's fine. He doesn't know that. Maybe it's different at this fictional university. I'm just, I'm being a dick. All right. Oh, this, this political economy six was, uh... For juniors and a few sophomores. Man, I see strange shapes before my eyes. Maybe he looked at a light bulb and like blinked and 
Maybe that was it. I feel as I was in a grotesque room other than the classroom. Silent Hill. My thoughts and speech wandered from my subject. Sounds like you're having a stroke, dude. And the student saw that something was gravely missed. Then I sunk down, unconscious in my chair, a stupor from which no one could arouse me. Nor did my rightful faculties again look out upon the daylight of our normal world for five years, four months, and thirteen days. Actually, this is not terrible so far, Ben. I'm shocked. It is, of course, from others that I have learned what followed. I eschewed no sign of consciousness for sixteen and a half hours. What did they do back then about hydrating you if they didn't have IVs? I mean, I know you can survive for sixteen hours without water, but it's a thought that occurred to me. Alright. Though removed to my home... At 27 Crane Street and given the best medical attention. This was before, like, hospitals that were not just community hospitals or even then house calls. So, you know, that makes sense. At 3 a.m., May 15th, my eyes opened and I began to speak. But before long, the doctors in my family were thoroughly frightened by the trend of my expression and language. It was clear that I had no remembrance of my identity or my past, though for some reason I seemed anxious to conceal this lack of knowledge. Okay, are you possessed? Guess I'll find out. My eyes gazed strangely at the persons around me, and the flexions of my facial muscles were altogether unfamiliar. Even my speech seemed awkward and foreign, and I looked like a penguin. I used my vocal organs clumsily and gropingly. Please don't grope things with your mouth, Lovecraft. I don't want that image in my mind. That's the scariest thing I've ever I've ever seen written, and my, dic and my diction had a curiously stilted quality as if I laboriously learned the English language from books. The pronunciation was barbarously alien, whilst the idiom seemed to include both scraps of curious archaism and expressions of a whole I hate when he used archaic. Now, I'm not going to ding him, because this is the first time it shows up in this book, but he used that like a fucking million times in At the Mountains of Madness. Oh, I just realized he's probably going to talk about a shadow, right? Like over and over again. He's going to talk about the shadow. He already talked about it once or twice, but, but that's just kind of his thing. Okay. So let's get back to this gripping read. Of the latter one is, in particular was very potently, even terrifyingly, recalled by the youngest of the physicians twenty years after. For at that late period, such a phrase began to have an actual currency, first in England and then in the United States, and though much complexity in its view news, it produced in every least particular and mystifying words the strain which Arkham patient in 1908. Uh-huh. So he got physical strength. Uh-huh. He had to re-educate himself, how to use his hands. Admitted openly, came eager for information of all sorts. Indeed, it seemed to the doctors I had lost interest in my proper personality as soon as I found the case of amnesia accepted as a natural thing. Hmm. Very suspicious, Hewitt Packard Lovecraft. You have intrigued me with this stuff that you are foreshadowing that is very mysterious. 
Those of my chief efforts were to master certain points in history, science, art, language, and folklore, and also nuclear secrets. I know. It's just... <sighs> okay. Some of them tremendously are truths, and other childishly simple, which remain very oddly in many cases outside my consciousness. At the same time, he noticed that I had inexplicable command of many almost unknown sorts of knowledge. Ooh, I wonder what's going on. Command which I seem to wish to hide rather than display. I would inadvertently infer... Whoa, whoa, nope. Kindle fucked up. With casual assurance to specific events and dim ages outside the range of acceptable history. Oh, what could be happening? Passing off such references as it just... Well, it's all surprisingly created. I had a way of speaking in the future with two or three... Okay, so you're you're speaking of the future now. Uncanny flash as soon cease to appear, though some observations made their vanishments more to a certain furtive caution on my part than to any waning of the strange knowledge behind them. Indeed, I seem an anomalously avid to absorb the speech, customs, and perspectives of the age around me, as if I had studious traveler from a far foreign land. Okay, I'm putting the Kindle down. Um... Shadows of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is just gonna... We're just gonna cut right to the fucking chase. Oh, okay, so you're talking about the great race of Yith, an extraterrestrial species with the ability to travel through space and time. Accomplish this by switching bodies with hosts from the intended spatial or temporal destination. Who would have thought that he was perhaps not himself, and he was learning a bunch of stuff about the culture that he maybe not was a part of at the time? What the fuck? What the fuck? Okay, I'm not gonna read any any more. Uh, I read, I read the Wikipedia plot. And it's like, okay, yeah, he's being possessed. That makes sense. It's very fucking obvious. You're not clever. Um, I know. I'm just, I'm just railing on this poor fucker. I'm, I'm gonna say it in the podcast, but nothing I can say or do to Lovecraft or his legacy could ever be worse than life did to him when he was still alive. Like. Like, it's just a drop in the bucket of the sea of misery that was his shitty life. But let's go back to... <laughs> the Yithians' original purpose was to study history various times and places. They amassed a library city filled with the past and future history of multiple races, including humans. That's interesting. And they used their ability to escape the destruction of their planet in another galaxy by switching bodies with a race of cone-shaped plant beings who lived 250 million years ago on Earth? That's fucking bizarre, first of all. And second of all, is this... Are these fucking plant creatures from the Mountains of Madness? Because he seems to like to, uh... He seems to like to fucking talk... About... Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god, what? Hold on. He mentions the protagonist from At the Mountains of Madness. Who also goes to that Australian unearthing. 
why why wouldn't that guy just phone it in at that point? Like, I think maybe the problem is him. Like, okay, you went to Antarctica, and you found actual alien beings, and then you just... that That's when you're done. Like, you retire from field work at that point. You don't keep tempting fate. Okay, well, let's continue. Okay, and then he goes to the college library at all hours. Makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. So wait a minute. If the... I don't know if these creatures took over... These these Yithians or whatever the hell they're called, they possess the elder beings from At the Mountains of Madness. But if so, they are really bad at escaping the devastation of society, aren't they? Okay, let's continue. Real friendliness, however, I encountered little. Something in my aspect and speech seemed to excite vague fears and aversions, and everyone I met, as if I were being infinitely... Oh, okay, yeah, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're fucking done. Okay? He didn't repeat the same words over and 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 over again. And he didn't really use a lot of weird racial shit. He did bring up the stock of his breed. But he keeps bringing up the same concept of Wow, it was really weird how, like, I was, I was almost like I was a different person. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that I was, I was different, and I was acting different, and I was being different? So let me see, how many pages did I get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got nine pages on Kindle. Um, let me see how many actual pages that is, so... Uh, one page. Page 133, probably towards the bottom of that page. I got through 132 and 133. And he... Okay. Um, he actually did do... I, I, I'm shocked, because at the Mountains of Madness, he, he talked about the dogs. How the dogs were acting weird. He didn't bring that up 400 million billion goddamn times and beat us over the head with it but again i'm i'm shitting all over him just mainly because i had to read his fucking stories ben this is your fault anyway let me just read the rest of the wikipedia article because i already figured out from his amazing foreshadowing that he might have not been himself Alright, the cone-shaped entity, entity, subsequently also known as the Great Race of Yith, lived in their vast library city in what would later become Australia's Great Sandy Desert. So there were different alien entities on Earth. Why Australia, though? Is it because there's a giant desert there and, like, it worries him? Okay. Story is told through the eyes of Nathaniel Wingate Peasley, an American living in the first decade of the 20th century who is possessed by a Yithian. Oh my god, I didn't see that coming. He fears he is losing his mind when he unaccountably sees strange vistas of other worlds in the Yithian library city. He also feels himself being led about by these creatures and experience, experiences how they live. When he is returned to his own body... He finds that those around him have judged him insane due to the actions of the Yithian that possessed his body. While he was experiencing Yithian existence in Earth's ancient, ancient past, the Yithian occupying his body was experiencing a human one in present day. You know, that sounds like a really funny movie. 
a funny horror movie. I don't know. You could get rid of the horror. You could turn it up. I mean, it it feels like um, Freaky Friday, the Disney Channel movie, except with an alien instead of your mom. Okay. The narrator at first believes his episode and subsequent dreams to be the product of some kind of mental illness. His initial relief at discovering other cases like his throughout history is withered when he discovers that the other cases are too similar to his own to be without a connection. The narrator's dreams become more vivid and he becomes obsessed with archaeology and ancient manuscripts, as was the Yithian, but lacks any sort of proof that would demonstrate whether he was or is simply mad. He discovers that the Yithians on Earth died out eons ago. Their civilization was destroyed by a rival, utterly alien, pre-human race described as half-polypus creatures. Is that the Elder Things? It doesn't say. Okay. But the Yithian mind will inhabit new bodies on Earth after humanity is long gone. His tenuous held sanity is challenged when he discovers the proof he seeks, and that not only do remains of the Yithians' past civilization still exist on Earth, but also still remaining are those who destroyed them. It is also mentioned the current appearance of the Yithians is not the original, but one acquired during a previous mass projections of the mind of their race when disaster beckoned, leaving the original heavens to die in the bodies of the Yithians. Okay. Uh, first of all, dick move. Uh, second of all, that sounds like the lost city of Kadath. I'm not going to read to uh, to verify that, but it sounds like, oh, and now here's this other twist. Uh, so I guess he's he's telling people, don't dig in that Australian desert, because the things that killed the Ithians will kill us too. And at this point, buddy, we're drowning in Shogoth. We've got fish people in our oceans, Shogoth at the South Pole, and also in the oceans. We've got evil gods who want to kill us. Extra-dimensional beings have come to our planet. Why not just fucking go for it? Just live your life to the fullest, and if we all get wiped out, it's gonna happen sooner or later. Like, why, why are you clinging to life so much if your life consists of hiding inside of your house forever? In New England. Alright, that's all been. What a fucking waste of my time.